due to popular due to popular demand (laughs) i thought i'd bring back one of my mates to the podcast so this is another episode of the advice guide series we do with the finance and property survival guide and my guest today is my longtime mate and real estate industry extraordinaire uh marty is kosher how are you sir good man good thanks again for doing this by the way we got it done I wondered if you could give the listeners first off a bit of a background of who you are and without too much detail, as you said, like what you do within the property industry and maybe some of the background of how, how much, how many different jobs you've sort of done within the industry over the years. Yeah, I guess I've worked in a few different parts of the, the industry. So I've worked in accommodation, which got me interested in, um, I guess, letting um, and more in a holiday stay direction for the majority. Um, and then I shifted into real estate, um, which, you know, taught me a bit about the buying and selling process and auctions and general market trends stuff. I never looked at when I was going from the, um, you know, the just pure investment side of things. Um, and then I started um, to get involved in the building side of things. And mm-hmm. that's where I am at the moment. Okay. And that's like, it's house and land is the, is the idea of what you're behind, right? Yeah, so at the moment it's more focused towards um, yeah building first home buyers, second home buyers, upsizes, downsizes, as opposed to the project side of things, which is something that I was interested in um, earlier, but mm. uh, just a, a direction I never pursued. Mm. And did you start that before COVID or after? Uh, four years ago. So four years four. ago. Did you? Yep. Did, could you sort of explain maybe? how busy you were and compare it between like before COVID to during COVID? Like how has the industry changed? Has the demand for what you do Mm. gone up, down? Has it been indifferent? I guess what I've seen over the last couple of years um, through COVID was things, things, I guess you would say they did get busier, um, but it's kind of it's kind of hard to gauge because so many different things happened that led to that. Um, you know, people just people not being able to travel um, was a big one, I think, in especially in building. Um, you know, someone who has been planning an overseas holiday or, or a few, and that that's what they want to do for the next few years, has realised that they can't travel anymore. Mm. And the next thing to say is, well, you know, we were going to set routes down in a few years. May as well start that now. Let's go buy some land or let's buy a house and um go that direction um that that's something i've seen a lot of demand has picked up like crazy which has partially come out of some stimuluses that were offered mm. as well as um just general younger population aging and wanting to buy their own homes and that sort of stuff that factors in as well and and from the i guess from the demand perspective obviously it may have picked up over the last 2 years because more people have had the money to spend, like more pe- people, the stats were all out last year that like the ABS would track that household savings was at like some of the highest levels we'd seen since recording the stat. So that's a big demand part. But I wondered too, whether you'd noticed any sort of delays in the side of like how construction costs have risen over the last couple of years uh, there's been supply chain issues. So sometimes some of the supplies aren't getting over here as quickly as sort of was um, ideal. Is that something you've experienced in your from your state of things as well? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know the exact stats, but, um, you know, the bushfires we had just before COVID 
did a number on our stores of timber, mm. um, then pair that with the pandemic and supply chain issues, um, as well as the booming construction is, is global. Like America mm. is, is having a massive building boom as well, um, at least from what I've seen. Um, and they are paying upwards of three times what we pay for similar materials, um, which when it comes to timber and our shortage from the bushfires has in itself had a big effect on the cost of construction and um, the time it takes to build. Mm. Um, just over the last year, there are some builders who contracts are starting to expire for their customers and they're seeing upwards of 40 to 80 grand price increases being sent towards the customers um, because they can, contracts mm. have expired. So they're going for that, that increasing cost. Yeah, I think I think the I think the stats like seven point two or seven point five percent construction cost increases from the inflationary standpoint, but don't hold me. I think it's about seven point five. The big impetus for this sort of show was that I wanted to talk to people who had an eye and had a bit of a um, a history of investing that worked within the industry of finance or property to sort of figure out what they. Uh, what mistakes they had made or what lessons they had learned that if they could go back in time to talk to their 25 year old self, like what would you tell that guy knowing what you know now about life, knowing what you know now about investing and, and, and jobs or whatever it is, however you want to answer this, it's up to you really. If you could go back and talk to Marty as sort of hell bro, like how many years ago is that now? Like however long it is, I don't want to make you feel old. (laughs) Um, what would you say? What would you say to that person? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know where I'd start. I guess, and this is probably in, in one way, obviously, I wouldn't change anything. You know, mm-hmm. that's that, that old conundrum. Um, you know, I ended up where I am and I'm, I'm very happy with my current life. So obviously there's that. But in the interest of looking back at younger me and giving him the right advice, um, I think just listening listening to those people in my life who have been there to give me advice and have really been trying to help me excel um you know parents parental figures coaches even you know all those people who had the time to sit down with me and say you should do this or focus on this just maybe listen to them a bit more than I did to some also I I never really rushed headfirst into an investment which was very smart um, there were a few where I was adamant that it was something I should get onto, mainly property related with, you know, just the fortune we've had with prices increasing and, you know, didn't jump on the boat when I knew I should. And I was telling other people to that partially came to just not having the capital at the time to do it. But yeah, maybe just looking at that sort of stuff a bit more when I was younger and when, um, the opportunities were a bit more ripe. It's always the way though. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, for sure. This came up in a conversation I had with a guy last week. When I look back at maybe, because I, so like I'm 25 now, but if I think about maybe meeting up with my 18 year old self and trying to give him advice, I can imagine my 18 year old self going, fuck off. Like, who are you? Mm. Like, we're not, not really wanting to listen to what I had to say. Do you think your 25 year old self would listen to you? 25 probably okay. 18 year old no man he was going to take <laughs> over the world and he knew how to do it yeah. yeah yeah okay it's funny how it works isn't it you just feel like I, it's funny like I, I i don't know if i can relate to my 18 year old self 
Like if I had to have oh, a conversation no. with him, I wonder how it would go. Well, I think um, I can't remember if I talked to you about this or not a while back. Um, I was actually watching a, a video of a, um, a guy that I like to watch. He's a martial artist and he travels around the world and studies different martial arts and kind of learns about, you know, different disciplines and everything. And he was having a conversation with another guy at a conference they were at. And he was talking about how he can't watch old videos of his without cringing at his old self. And then the other person was reflecting on that and pretty much said, you know, that that's a sign of growth in itself. If you're, if you're looking back at past you and you think that person has it all figured out, then I feel like something's not right. You should be looking, you, you haven't grown. You should be looking back at your past self and going, God, he was a kid. Mm-hmm. He, he was so young and, and just didn't understand or, or cringe at something stupid that you thought was the be all end all. Because really, if you're not, looking back at that and seeing immaturity, then you haven't really grown. And I feel like that's going to continue to happen until I'm wrinkled and senile. You can see the changes in yourself year to year. If you sort of feel like you can't always relate to the person you used to be. That's not a bad idea. The other question I sort of had about the conversation was about investing. And I guess I, I don't know what I can say to some of my friends that aren't really started on the, the path of even thinking about trying to invest. And mm. I don't want to try and make any of my friends do it because you, you can't do it that way. It has to be a natural progression where something happens yeah. to them and they make the choice of on their own accord. And then if I can help them, I will, you know, if they ask, but it, what, what got you into investing? And I guess, at what age did you get into it? And what was the impetus? Like what made you want to get into investing? Was it a mentor or was it some book you read or was it an idea that you just never wanted to go broke? Like what sort of led you to getting into investing and, and, and how would you try to get other people interested in doing it also? Yeah. Um, I guess the first part there, like, you know, how to get other people interested is really hard because, in a lot of ways, and especially my type of investing, which is mainly property, um, is seen rightfully in some ways by a lot of people as a um, like a bad way of investing. You know, you're leeching off other people's need for housing, um, and so there there are there is a almost an entire generation of people who see property investing as something that is causing issues, um, which you know, do with that what you will. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not out there raising rent to force people out of their house. I'm just renting apartments for holiday stay. So, you know, it, it's, it's a hard one in that respect. Mm. As far as how I got into it, I guess really that's just pure luck. My family were getting involved in that space. When I turned 18, I was loaned money from my parents to match the money that I had saved. And that got me into... Um, my first apartment, which was like this little townhouse. And that just got me started. And I mean, you know, when that was the case, I think off the top of my head, that townhouse was maybe 200,000. You know, that's a very easy thing to get your foot in the door compared to what, seven now, if you're lucky. So, you know, fortune in that respect that A, I had parents who were willing to chip in and help me get ahead. um, And B, that the market allowed it in that respect. I never got involved in the stock market. It was something I was always interested in, but I didn't have 
a mentor that had any experience in that space. So it was something I never really took the plunge in without, without any guidance. And as far as the motive, the motive was purely, I didn't want to get to 30, 40 years old and be surviving off of just a salary. Like I just wanted to have that little bit of security to know that, you know, I'm going to maybe not have much money now because I'm putting it into this and trying to, you know, get the next one. But I wanted to be in a position where I was at that age that I could support a family and give back to my community. I could afford to do that. And that, that, that was really the motive was just that security to be able to run my own race later in life. And is your, we don't have to, it, it becomes a bit inside baseball, a bit with a bit too technical sometimes, but is your, is your idea always been to sort of buy and hold places to rent out and the goal is to hold them for as long as humanly possible? Or is it something where you've got a team around you where you'll review that stuff once a year or every six months and say like, maybe this one we might look at selling because it's priced at a good spot and we could loosen up some cash and and use that to maybe renovate and add value to the others. Like what's your sort of strategy? That's a really good question. Um, my strategy at the moment has been long-term hold. Um, I've kind of looked at it from the direction of, because majority of what I do is um, short letting and, and holiday going, and I've pretty much looked at it from the point of view of how many more years does this town have where it's going to be a tourism spot, um, where it's going to be somewhere where there's going to be a business hub and I can I can actually maintain that degree of business. And every time I've reflected on that it's always been looking at it and going well at least another five to ten years there's no way this town's slowing down and now it seems to be picking up you know we've got a new uni campus coming oh, in and all all this um, additional infrastructure coming in the cbd's being um, refaced and so it's pretty much holding to to that degree like whilst it's still worth doing i did start toying a couple of years ago with the idea of building some stuff for more um, long-term rentals. Mm. Um, I don't know what I would have done there as far as, you know, the profit margin with prices increasing and everything, but I never ended up going that avenue anyway. So can't really comment on what I did or didn't do. So your strategy sort of is like you're doing, you're trying to cater to the market of like short stay holiday rental sort of thing. So people might be renting a place out for three nights or five nights or a week or whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah. say like um, a random uh, performance is on at the Civic and John Smith and his family are going to come up Friday night, Saturday night and go home Sunday. So that that's exactly what I'm catering towards. Or there might be, a, I mean, Newcastle has a lot of sporting events, um, you know, Surfest, piece of athletics. Um, so catering, catering to that, you know, we have the, um, the five, the, the supercars once a year. So catering to all those kind of um, markets and in some cases that might be um, a person coming down for one or two nights to see a show or to just go to the beach um, or it might be someone coming down for work or school and, and staying for a week or two that that's pretty much the direction that I'm aiming towards so you know Airbnb has been great for that what, as what, well. What was the choice that you made and how you weighed up the pros and cons to choose that over opting to do long-term rental, like having a lease for a year. Do you know what I mean? Like renting to a tenant. What choice, how did you come to that decision of doing the Airbnb setup? 
So pretty much I rent them out to um, a managing agent that um, then t- does all the heavy lifting. Mm. Um, and um, pretty much the, the reason for it was purely profit motivated. So looking at it and saying, what, what's, going to, what's going to allow me to pay these down um, without having to break my back too hard and still be able to maintain some semblance of a life? Mm. And that was short stay, um, especially, you know, location, locations that I was looking at. Mm. And so the idea of that is um, you, can, you can make a little extra money. You can charge more a night than what you would be able to do comparatively to like a rental for six months yeah. if you leased it out. Um, and then any of the extra profits you're making after paying off the mortgage repayment can either be paid off into the loan balance or you can use that to have to use for any other part of the investment. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's mm. like anything, higher risk, higher reward. So mm. I could go two weeks without a tenant in theory. Um, and that would mean that there's zero money coming in and I've still got to pay, you know, strata, mortgage, utilities, those aren't going away. Um, but in theory, I can have a tenant for four nights who is going to well and truly cover that week on the private market mm. um so that, that that was a big factor especially when i was younger um and i guess as well that was just um you know at the time i was working in accommodation so i saw how it worked and um i was able to um get involved through that channel last thing i'll, I'll ask you before we get out of here is I, I'm assuming that like you you're saying you you sort of rented out to the property manager who then takes over all the the heavy lifting so you don't have to be managing the day-to-day who's booked in here who's booked mm. in there who's got all the fresh towels I'm sure all of that's on this guy yeah cleaning um, maintenance all yeah. that so I'm assuming you've got like a team around you do you mind sort of explaining for someone that's looking to getting into property to invest whether that's rental accommodation or airbnb short stays or buying commercial or whatever what are mm. the sort of people you have around you that are sort of helping you strategize and set all this up yeah um so i guess there's a few people obviously my broker to make sure that i can afford it that's a that's a really important one mm. i guess the the managing agent that i use um i'm able to have that conversation of um you know is there any areas coming up or are there any opportunities coming up that you're seeing that are of interest and something that you think I should add to the portfolio or remove even, which hasn't happened yet in that respect. I don't really have a huge team around me, to be honest. I tend to kind of do the research myself um, when the time comes that I think that it's you know time to look for something else. And then there, there probably is a, an unofficial team around me that I, that I reach out to, but no one that I can think of off the top of my head that I would say is someone I, I go to frequently. It's really just a lot of online research for me, you know, watching those different portals, seeing what's what's of interest and um, seeing what's available when I'm in a position to potentially purchase something. And you've got, um, you've obviously got your own personal like career experience in real estate. So that, that, that definitely pays dividends where other people might not be able to do that. So it's good yep. that you've sort of got that background. Well, um, that was basically all I had to ask you about, Martius. That was a sick mm. interview, but is there anything you want to anything you want to end with before we stop the recording? Um, no, I uh, my my brain is just 
done today after <laughs> the day that I've had. Um, I really, um, I guess, investing in, in financial security, it's, um, it's such a mixed bag of opinions and, and of strategies and of everything. And if there's one thing that's worth doing, it's just taking the first step and just, you know, I mean, the people that are listening to this have taken that first step and decided, okay, you know, we want to consider doing something. And it's really just asking what you want to do, how much capital you have to part with and what the best direction is to go there and just ask as many people as you can, um, you know, parents, family members, um, you know, people that you know at work, you know, what do you do? How do you invest? Everyone does something or not everyone, but, you know, most people are willing to share that information. This is, this is what I do and this is how it works for me and make that decision as to what's going to work for you. And if you're not sure, seek more advice. There is a plethora of advice out there and there are people who will give you that advice. Some will charge for it, but um, even just a financial advisor or, or a broker or someone who can, can assist um, and just do something. It's better to do something now and look back and go, I'm glad I did it or, oh, that didn't work. Then look back in 10 years and go, I really should have. Because the I really should have hurts more. I know that because I'm doing it at the moment. Yeah, easy. Well, yeah, thanks again for your time, my friend. And uh, we'll talk soon. I'll just I'll just stop the recording and then we'll keep chatting real quick. <laughs> ah, industry secrets. <laughs>